and we are recording in progress recording with dr andrew huff on monday february 20th 2023 at 12 or 4 p.m eastern time uh you were just on here uh you're the author of uh, the truth about wuhan it's a great book put it in the description go follow his twitter that's also in the description but i saw you not it's not that it's important, but I was eating chili nachos the other night like a fat ass, and I was just scrolling through Twitter because I've recently been reinstated, and uh, and I was just looking at yours, and you retweeted something from Glenn Beck about uh, like Moderna, Frankenstein, Corona, Ralph Barrick, all the way back to what 2012 or 2015, and I was just and that's kind of the beauty of having a podcast is whenever I want to dig deeper, I'm like, Oh wait, I'll just talk to him. <laughs> I'm like, it's great. I get to, I get to disguise it as a podcast, but I'm really just asking my own questions because it's better than Google. So can you kind of go into that and explain what that, like what that is, what that was? Sure. It all, it all bleeds together in my mind, but I, I think I remember the tweet that you're, you're referencing. Yeah. And it was actually from a, a Glenn Beck special that aired, I think over a year ago. And Charles Rixey, who is a former United States Marine Corps weapons of mass destruction expert, was the technical expert that assisted the Glenn Beck show on Blaze TV with assembling the episode. And I forgot that. And I didn't know where the clip was taken from. And it's like, oh, I was right about all this. And then Charles chimed in. He's like, yeah, it was the episode I helped with. And not that I, not that I remember every 15 second clip, but yeah. it's just very simple facts. I, Moderna patented a number of different genetic sequences, which are all can be found in the wild type strain of SARS-CoV-2. In science, we say wild type, mm -hmm. meaning usually referring to something that naturally emerges. And now my dog's going nuts and I you bet my it. book book uh, orders are, are showing up. I ordered a couple hundred book, a couple hundred copies of books to sign. And I think they're showing up right now. You can go, you can go grab it if you want. I don't no, I think my wife's taking all care right, of it. All right, beautiful. So, um, anyways, so we have this wild type uh, strain that's circulating, and you know, if you go into this database called GenBank, which which is owned or housed by the National Institute of Health, there's a tool called Blast, and, and you can look for specific genetic sequences. Well, you know, some really interesting things happen when you put the wild type strains genetics into the Blast tool; it returns a bunch of patented sequences from Moderna. Jesus Christ! I mean. I mean, are we just so desensitized at this point that people are like, it's like, it's like when people are like, all right, the CIA probably killed Kennedy. I'm like, that's not something we can just like brush off. And it's like, all right, it probably came from a lab. It was probably a bioweapon as part of China's coup to take over the world. Like, I get it. And it's like, so what, what, what are the implications of that then? Like that Moderna created COVID or at least something behind Moderna using Moderna as a facade? Like what? What are the implications? Obviously, all speculation, but legally speculation, but. Well, it's just it's a, a series of unfortunate events. So when I worked at Eco Health Alliance, when we were out collecting coronavirus samples globally, that genetic mater material made it into these databases and was shared with people like Dr. Ralph Barrick. Dr. Ralph Barrick then shares that information with companies like Moderna and that's how this works. I mean, so this goes to show you that everything I've been saying about how the agent was co-developed with the medical countermeasure is true. And that's what, I, what I've been pointing out. And the sad reality there is that you cannot develop a bioweapon unless you're also developing the medical countermeasure because it's really dumb to go make a biological weapon unless you have a way to counter it. Now, it falls into this gray area, what's called dual use research of concern. So you can Tell, tell the international community that if I'm doing gain of function work, it's for the purpose of making vaccines. And that's what they told everyone. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, we're trusting. Yeah. We're, we're trusting like the, the, the banker to not steal any money. It's like, I get it in theory, right? You take a, you take a potential uh, deadly virus or at least disrupting virus use gain of function to, to amplify it so you can almost like it's almost like zooming in on a picture it's like let's like, amplify it so we can really see what it's uh really see what these uh, i guess elements of it do and create a vaccine man we could make a whole lot of money with this vaccine it's like yeah i don't know it's we're just developing nuclear weapons because they work really well but we might drop them on our enemies just like footnote so it i guess that's where 
that that's these are the important facts i I mean and the rest and the intent it really is just speculation which sucks but i mean is it really just a money grab is there a a military aspect behind it is this is this a a nation state was this us pinning it on china is is this china's is this some supranational is this world economic forum is this what what do you think it is and just again all speculation but it, it just depends on who you ask. And every every time you ask that those types of questions, it matters the specific person, group, or organization that you're asking it to. So it's definitely a money grab for this. I have the hiccups. Yeah, you're the scientists that are worst. involved in the research. So they they stand stand to benefit by having more money, more funding, more research. Okay. And they can keep sort of wagging that dog. I, I was involved in that game. If you ask the globalist types, so the Soros, the George Soros of the world, the Gates, those kind of people, this is a, there's a huge market. And there's no bigger market than vaccine technology or something that you're going to force every individual to take, and that then with huge profit mar- margins paid for by governments around the planet. That's essentially what happened. Now, then, if you want to get into well, what are the global, you know, the states, the countries, what do they have to gain from this? Well, you could say to exert fear, con- control, consolidate power, those kind of things happen. So I don't, I still don't believe it was some master plan how this happened. I just think everyone took advantage of a situation with information that they had before everybody else. I mean, it strongly looks like everybody, all the powerful people in the world figured out that that SARS-CoV-2 had leaked out of the laboratory in Wuhan in late summer, early fall of 2019. And they all take advantage of the situation. Yeah. No, I've, I've had hiccups on this podcast only on like, I think two or three occasions. And it just sucks. Cause you're like, I'm top, top. It's the worst. No, I get it. It's uh, uh, my heart goes out to you, sir. Um, but yeah, it, I think maybe I need like, to hold my breath and like do some get upside down here I, or something. I don't know. It's all it's all witch medicine. Just to <laughs> it's kind of, yeah. We have like biomolecular CRISPR, like nano molding to make these vaccines, and it's all about hiccups. And it's like hold your breath, like walk counterclockwise, and you know wave to a tree or some shit. None of it works. I've, the only thing I've ever found that works that gets rid of hiccups is to get shit faced and go to sleep. And it's a it's kind of uh, a nu- it's a nuclear option. You can't really do it at noon on a Monday. That's the <laughs> only thing I've ever found is it's the thermonuclear option. You just get blasted and go to bed because you it doesn't stop the hiccuping. You just no longer care because you're shit faced and then you just go to sleep and you wake up without it. It's, the, my, it's my only solution. Um so maybe I'm like maybe I'm making an argument for this gain of function research. It's like, yeah, we gotta move forward in the world. We gotta we can't be doing this witch doctor shit with leeches and ferns. Like yeah, I don't know. But well, well maybe maybe the maybe the, the mRNA platform is the witch doctor shit though. When oh, you think about it. Yeah. I mean think about all the different medical treatments that we look back at 40, 50, 100, 200 years ago, and we're like, oh my god, that was crazy. I can't I can't believe we did that to people. And I definitely think people feel that way about mRNA. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I have that feeling that they're going to look back in like 67, like the same way we look back at like, you know, babies on the dashboard of a car in the 50s. Dad's got a cocktail, you know, mom's got a cigarette and she's pregnant and everyone's like, they just were just trucking. No one gives a shit. Like, you know, if a cop saw that, the cop would wave. Like, hey, Bill, like you'd be drinking with his baby on the dashboard, too. And like the glass wasn't that like that, like safety glass that shatters into like rounded edges. It's like, no, you'll just bleed out. You know, the steering wheels made of chrome stripped from like a tank from the war five years earlier. And yeah, I think we're going to look back at that and they're going to be like, yeah, they had this mRNA shit and it. People were just pulling blood clots out of their arm, like three feet long. It looked like rubber bands. They're yeah, they're gonna look back at this the same way we look. There's a great book called um, uh, the the butchering art by Lindsay Fitzharris about Joseph Lister in like the 1880s, 1890s, and he's in medical school in London, and it's just horrific. Like never washing your doctor's coat, just putting it on it stiff with blood and mucus, like sawdust everywhere to pick up the smell. Like one of one of the like the interns like had a severed hand in his back pocket that he forgot about. He was like, Oh, you forgot that and then like you read about it and you're like, What the fuck? But I have a feeling that is I think you're right. That might be how we look back at this. And you know, why did it work? And it's gonna 
we're going to look back the same way we look at like oil barons and be like, yeah, well, they bought up all the media and the politicians. And it was a it was a barbaric time. But we it kind of feels like it can't be that because we have flat screens and you can order tacos on Uber Eats. And but that is probably I think you're right. That is the hiccups have served a purpose. They have a well, the, 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 the biggest problem, though, is that the, the lack of engagement from society with what's going on. And I think that's what you were alluding to earlier is that here we have all these things that we can prove and yet there's no action being taken. What's going to happen is it's going to happen. Something's going to happen to someone with a lot of money, you know, like it, like Steve Kirsch, who's just kind of declared war on all of this. He, he invented the optical mouse. What's going to happen is, you know, like Elon Musk's kid's going to die or something from myocarditis or a, or a, you know, a, a senator's wife or something. Something's going to flip and it's going to be someone with a lot of power that you don't fuck with. And all of a sudden this impenetrable shield of, you know, all the media and lockstep and pushing this thing with Pfizer. Something's going to happen to someone. It's going to, it's going to, I mean, it's really, it, it'd be biblical. It'd be like when the Pharaoh's first son is killed or something. And that's when he lets the people go. That's probably what it's going to be. Well, and I think that's happening. And the interesting case to, to the extent that it's true is the Thai princess. Have you heard about this? Vaguely somewhere in the periphery of my consciousness. It, enlighten me. So the, the Thai princess, I think she received her booster or second, second shot and had a stroke, I, I believe collapsed, um, had been in critical care for a long period of time. And Tha Thailand is one of these places that because it's a monarchy, I guess, can go after Pfizer. And I don't know if this is in the realm of conspiracy or to what extent this is actually true, but it did seem like from what I read, there's some validity to it. Interesting times that we are now. We're, we're just going to champion the monarchs, but I mean, really, I mean, that's what. Yeah, you, isn't it strange? Yeah, it is. We're, we're relying on, on monarchs and yeah. and um, oligarch type states and nations to do the right thing. That and is not the United States, not the Republic. The Thai princess, yet yeah, Elon Musk, he's the one doing the Twitter files. Like, well, I believe his brothers, or he had made some tweets or some comments that a number of people in his social circle had been harmed by the jabs. Oh yeah. So yeah. he he did comment on that publicly. Yeah, no, and, you know, and that, that's another thing is yeah, he got the booster and said he felt like he was dying. Yeah, it's that's that's probably in part. And then he say like he lost one of his children to the LGBTQ woke like propaganda quote unquote lost like doesn't talk to him anymore. It's like not the beautiful child he remembers. Mm -hmm. Just you know some self hating, you know blue hair whatever through your nose. I mean whatever go for whatever. But he's just. Some people speculate this is why he's sort of going all in on this thing that is really doing nothing for him financially. It's anything, if anything, he's kind of slowly turning into like a Trump 2.0 in terms of people just frothing at the mouth with hatred. I personally don't care. I think he's funny. I like his memes. But that is that is kind of what it is, is they, they fucked with the wrong person. And that's probably what it will continue to be. And... You know, there is there is a there is a beauty to, you know, people being NPCs and normies and all that good fun talk that the kids are using and that they don't think for themselves is once you realize that you realize it's not you versus 99 percent of people. It's like five percent of people trying to get the word out versus five percent of people who have a vested interest in it saying covered up and 90 percent of people who just go where the perceived uh, majority is. So you really only need to tip the seesaw a little bit. And then the same people that will take the jab unwittingly are the same ones that once it is fashionable to question it and fashionable to call it bad and fashionable for gasp for them to start calling out pharmaceutical corporations like they have been for the, the last 70 fucking years that they just managed to turn off the Occupy Wall Street people just love Pfizer now. That's what it will be. That will be the tipping point. And then they will look back. And they'll say, how did this happen? We never knew. And no, we did know. There was a lot of people saying that. And yeah, I don't know. Well, what's so strange about it to me is when comparing to Occupy Wall Street. So those, pe those people actually had insight into a complex financial issue in society. It, and where did that insight or that capability to have that insight go when dealing with drugs from convicted felon pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical companies? Yeah, it, cognitive dissonance, 
I mean, that's really so a- why on that issue. Why on that issue? Because if you look at the the, his, yeah. the, the history of the anti-vaxxer movement, when in defining anti-vaxxer pre twenty nineteen, which is a person that wouldn't get any vaccine, period, those people were typically uh, extreme uh, were lefties. You know, progressives in in enclaves in Oregon and Washington had lar- large populations of anti-vax communities. Also, left-leaning Muslim populations in the United States t- typically had these these anti-vaxxer strongholds and now they're the ones out screaming you know you need to be boosted three four times i mean that that's the insanity to me it's i've witnessed this measurable shift in a population population we used to study for these you know characteristics of these traits just as wild are like traditionally conservative people myself included a lot of the people i interview you know former spec ops guys who are now like the most they're like reel back in the DOD and the intelligence agents, you know, the traditionally like, yeah, just go blow them up. Who gives a shit? Bomb them. You know, Geneva Convention. That's just a suggestion. Whatever. It, it's now a 180. They're like questioning the. It's like a conservative thing now to question, like, is the government, you know, is, is, are the powers that be? Maybe this isn't for our own good. Maybe we do need to demilitarize the police. It is kind of an odd, an odd clown world of everything is upside down. I don't know. Yeah, why is that though, man? I well, well, it's the same reason why people, I, I think, go go the complete one eighty on vaccines, and why people will change p- positions over time with the mRNA jabs. You can work in law enforcement, the military, the intelligence community, be a part of the deep state, like I was, and then eventually it comes out to get you, <laughs> and you already get someone you know for not justified purposes, and it pisses you off. And when that happens, then you start to work against it. And the people who used to work in those systems are highly effective working against it because they know the rules, the process, and and you know the the levers and, and the the pins to pull. Yeah, I, I think that this like specific phenomena, and I'm just bullshitting, but probably a mixture of like virtue signaling, like I'm I'm doing the right thing, and. I think a lot of it was cognitive dissonance. You know, I I won't get the Trump vax. I think that was Kamala Harris. And then, you know, once the guy switches, it's a complete 180. You know, conservatives are Trump's a genius, warp speed. And now they're they're the most against it. And I think it's probably like a mixture of that, probably highly partisan. It's also it's also a very simple thing to do to then elevate yourself, you know, put a mask on and 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 get the jab you know now you got nothing going for you but you you're noble you're saving grandma you know it's you're a gi returning from world war ii now look at me you know you get your ticker tape parade because you got a booster and a donut i would imagine it's probably (laughs) a combination of that there's it's sleek it's new it's mrna it's kind of like the tesla of shots in perception probably that yeah i don't know well, I mean, I essentially felt for the, the maybe the Tesla shot angle. So I didn't do enough research when I first came out. I, I assumed that my peers or people in my field had figured it out and it was working. I'm like, yeah, why would they lie in clinical trials or why why would they falsify data? I mean, that didn't, that didn't even cross my mind. And, you know, fast forward. And of course, that's those are the things that hap- happened. And I feel stupid for not doing my research. Never again. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I mean... <clears throat> I, I would have gotten it. I'll be the first to admit, I thought COVID was like the end of the world. I was like, yeah, well, you know, it's like I made it to 30. I was like, yeah, I had a good run. Like, I, I took it just as much as anyone. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm okay with admitting that. It's okay to admit you got it duped. It's a shitty feeling, but, you know, it, the Mark Twain quote, it's easier to fool a man than to convince a man he's been fooled. What got me to not take it is I just remember, like, offhand, I vividly remember, like, laying in bed reading an article before I had to go to work. And it's just it just said somewhere something slipped through like the censorship cracks. I think it was on like CNN or something, and it was just like now it doesn't actually stop contract or prevent contraction or transmission. And I just took it as like a I was like oh, well I'm, I'm probably not going to get it. Not because it was it's new and you know I don't know if it's dangerous or not. It was just a matter of like I'm not going to get in my car and go spend 15 minutes. That's 15 more minutes I could play Xbox. It was just a matter of like. I'm not going to do, do I have to go? No, the class is voluntary. I'm not attending. It's just whatever, I'm whatever. And I brought it up at, at work. I was working at a liquor store. And like the, the visceral response from people was shocking to me. It was a little unnerving. And I think I posted it online. 
and like lifelong friends were just like werewolves under the moon. Just a, a switch was just flipped, and they're just why won't you get? And I was like, what? What the? The fuck is this? It was like pulling out a cross in front of a demon or something. I was just, if anything, I was, it was almost just like kind of amused. It was like, you know, going up with baby, like I got your nose. Like, I was like, what, what is this? And I, as I kept kind of digging deeper and doing episodes and getting banned, I was like, something's really, something's fucked. And yeah, I don't know. I think, I think the cover up is in full swing now. And the cover ups never last. Event. Well, it's unraveling, it, and it's acceler- accelerating. When you start seeing people and doctors like myself on Fox News saying the jab is harming people and it's barely effective if it's effective at all, I mean that's that's the one of the first key linchpins in pulling the whole thing apart is people realizing the truth that the mRNA jabs don't work, and they and that they harm people. And then as that unravels, then people are going to question, well, where the heck did this come from? That'll be the, the next national uh, rational question. And they're going to say, okay, well, this came out of a laboratory. Well, who made it? And why did they make it? Those are the, these are just natural, simple questions. And as people start being curious and their minds open, it, it just continues to unravel. And I think it's accelerating. And that, that's why you've heard all this talk about World War III, the spy balloons, all this crazy, stupid things going on, being being discussed in the media, which are not of consequence. I mean, I pointed this out right away. It's this, this, the Chinese spy balloon that the U.S. decided to just shoot down all of a sudden, um, and that's a joke. Yeah. NORAD can track every little object around, flying around the planet, and you know this balloon just didn't magically show, show up in the United States one day. It took a, a week to get here. It means they watched it, and they shot it down to make a dog and pony show out of it, which is a psyop. Yeah. And that's, I don't think they have many little, many tricks left to pull. I mean, they're, they're certainly running out. I mean, the only one that it seems like they're trying to push now of some of you know, the World War Three mongers. And I think the global tolerance for a, a world war is at an all time low. It's not like there's popular, popular support in all these places for a world war. The only place that seems to have to have popular support for world war is Ukraine or the people of Ukraine. And everyone else is basically putting up their middle finger saying, you know, we don't want this. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, no, the distraction is, it is getting amplified. And eventually, eventually it's not going to outweigh it, right? It's so long as, like, you, you could sacrifice something small or something with a value of one to cover up something with a value of ten that's deemed profitable and, in, in I guess, cover-up currency. But now we're we're going to risk World War Three, which has a value of a hundred to cover up that's something with a value of 10. Now you're trying to get more people to ruin the whole thing. And eventually they're going to turn on each other and be like, why don't we just hang the, you know, that hypothetically, I don't need the FBI coming here. Why don't we, why don't we hang the people that did this? Eventually you're going to have enough people going, we, if we just throw these people to the mob, we can, this whole thing can stop. And that's, I think that's probably what it's going to be is they're going to, they're going to venture oh. out into world war three. And a lot of people, are and I think that, I think that's, I think it's happening. So I think the people are being thrown to the wolves. So the, the lawsuits and the other things that I'm aware of going on ha- against the COVID co-conspirators, that's basically driving wedges between all these, these people they've lawyered up and the government will have to decide at some point who are they're actually going to sacrifice. Cause they, the, the answer, the current or the status quo has not been accepted. So that means that they're, they're going to have to give up some people. The COVID commission, I get the sense that the people that they put on it, specifically uh, Congress, Congressman Brad Winstrup from Ohio, he he's an uh, Army Reserve colonel. He's a surgeon. And I question how much independence he can have as a commissioned officer in the Reserve Corps of the Army, and also while chairing the COVID Investigation Commission, because all roads lead back to the Department of Defense and the intelligence community. So my gut feeling is that that COVID investigation committee might be trying to isolate the damage or compartmentalize it just to NIH and Anthony Fauci. The the USAID is going to get thrown under the bus because they're already doing that. And that's based on the evidence that I brought forward in my book and handed to them directly on the Senate side. It was actually sort of interesting to see um, most of the senators using my talking points from my book. Um, so I guess, yes, you know, finally, like, big, big impact. That's that's what I was, I've been going for this whole time. That's what I really care about is I just want the investigations to happen. But I also want those vest- investigations to be real. I don't want them to be 
dog and pony shows. If we have real problems, we need to fix it. And, you know, for whatever reason, the Department of Defense has got its uh, undies in a bunch over this. And it's such a big behemoth of a government agency and entity. I don't think there's like any real harm that could come to most of the people who work there. I think the the real jeopardy is that it could suffer significant funding cuts and maybe DOD could use maybe like a 50% reduction in, in its budget. I mean, our, our military is so, so advanced and so much bigger than all, all the other, you know, countries in the world. I mean, we can fight three or four Chinas at once. Do we really need to have that cap- capability at all times? Is, are we that worried about our uh, global, global, sec- uh, global security and our standing in the world where we need to be, heavily burdened with this debt and taxation to pay for that i mean that that's that's the real issue so why not reduce our spending on national security the intelligence community the fbi the department of defense and save our country for future generations that's what it comes down to we can't be spending all our money on on safety focused security issues trying to prevent every little nasty nasty thing from happening especially when these these organizations are obviously so well funded that they are being used to basically violate american constitutional rights so that i think that's a good indicator if you know if the, go- the government the federal government has enough time to to go screw with americans uh because there's not enough real security work to do maybe they need a budget cut yeah yeah and i think what they will do is they'll yeah, they're gonna. It's going to the bar with like ten friends, and one of the guys is too drunk, and the bouncer's like, "Y'all can't come in." Doesn't matter if he's your friend. Eventually, you're like, "Hey, bro, this is on you." Like, we're going in. All the girls are in there. Like, well, I'll get you a cab. But no, you're throwing your buddy under the bus just to go into a bar. Yeah, they're they're gonna they're gonna throw, they're gonna go. Hey, man, this whole this whole military industrial complex intelligence community global hegemon behemoth this this party we've been running for the last hundred years we're gonna let fauci bring it down you have a bunch of guys going fuck this <laughs> fuck this nerd you're right they're not they're gonna they're gonna break his glasses and take his lunch yeah what, what are you surprised are you surprised the demons backstab <laughs> what all right i mean all the nazis sold out all the ones below them so that they could come to america and people are like that's so brutal i'm like they're nazis <laughs> Of course. Yeah, the people that rose to the top of this machine didn't get there by, you know, being there for the bros. No, they they're going to they're going to sell them out. Well, and if you go look at your your t- typical bureaucrat in most of these agencies, you know, they've got a half, you know, their white shirt is turning sort of stained yellow. They're, you know, 40 pounds overweight. They're eating McDonald's at their desk, you know, over their crappy government issued laptop, which can barely do anything because there's so many French fries mashed between the keys. I mean, this is the reality of government employment, unfortunately. I mean, that's a, I think that's an accurate representation of probably 75% of the population of government employees. And, you know, these people are fat, lazy, don't want to work hard. And, you know, they're going to do whatever the, the administration tells them to, because, you know, God forbid they do the right thing and and rock the boat a little bit and have to actually do some work as a bureaucrat. Because, you, you know, when I worked for the government, there was often times where I didn't agree with either a mandate or order or direct, directive or a policy. And as, as a bureaucrat, you have a quite a bit of flexibility and you can maneuver around things or try to push back, slow down the process, and you can do it all in a very professional way as the system allows you to and, um, as it's sort of intended to believe that bureaucrats are supposed to behave, but it's just much easier for people now to just go along with all the stupidity and not rock the boat, especially if it it ties into their social agenda, which I think is becoming the bureaucracy now is just, it seems like it's really politically tied where I think a lot of bureaucrats used to sort of operate, try to be apolitical of either party. And you'd sort of have strategic alliances, but not now it seems like they're just, you know, part of one party or the other. And a lot of government employees, I think, tend to be Democrats because of government union issues. And you know, the Democrats tend to be more favorable towards federal employees. And I think this is why the intelligence community, the FBI, the CIA are now largely, it seems like they're more more left-leaning, at least in the way that they're executing policy and, and how they're arresting people and doing things, which is just ridiculous. Because you think at some point they'd realize that that's not good for the country. But... 
you know, these are strange times. Yeah, you're going to have a bunch of jocks giving Fauci a wedgie. That's how this ends. <laughs> that's how this ends. Is they're they're going to throw him to the wolves. They don't give a shit. Yeah. That's how I think. Well, what about the scientists though? Like so like Peter, Peter Hotez and and some of these other people, you know, the Ralph Barrex, I mean, what happens to those people? They'll throw out as many as the people that need to be thrown out. They'll and probably not one more. You'll take the most valuable and you'll keep them. It'll be like a, it'll be a weird version of operation paperclip like we won't actually be taking because they're all here already but we'll be taking like the best and kind of putting them aside and then just under we're gonna feed them to the wolves and get the people to shut up right i mean you, you do a nuremberg you literally do a nuremberg but the the worst traders you, you hire and then you might have some weird vendetta things like the Mossad going and getting eichmann that might happen which would be kind of badass but I think that's probably what will happen. You'll they'll throw away just as many people as needed, and not a single one more. I don't, I don't doubt that at all. It'll take a little time, probably I don't know, maybe later this year, maybe next year, maybe twenty twenty four. It'll happen, and then they'll they'll also do it, it. It'll it'll tie into some campaign about cleaning up corruption or some. It'll be perfectly timed for the twenty twenty four election. Yeah, of uh. Of we need to undo this. The these are Trump scientists or something like that's what it will be. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that assessment. I think they have to get it done by the end of twenty twenty three. Yeah. Nobody nobody wants us going into an election year because it will be uh, it'll be chaos. I mean, could you think about how the smear ad campaigns are going to run? Because uh-huh. I think it'd just be like you're you're pro death jab, you're pro Fauci, and it wouldn't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican because the Uniparty has agreed on most of these issues. If you you really look at you know what's went down, they the Republicans and the Democrats were both harassing whistleblowers. Yeah. It wasn't just the Dem- Democrats doing it; it was everybody in Washington D.C. because they don't they didn't want Pfizer to lose their Pfizer money or campaign ad uh, money from those large biotech companies coming against them. So it's not like the Republicans like, are, are conservatives anymore. I mean, they're really not. It, it's actually almost laughable. I, and it, I was thinking about this this morning. And I mean, it's probably start writing my sub stack this week because all my crazy interview schedule has finally died down. I was thinking about this is that, you know, I don't know what the future of the Republican Party looks at, looks like, but it is not whatever the Republican Party is today. And I don't think the Democratic Party is going to maintain whatever it is either. I think there's going to be a transformation among our gener- generation adults, which is pr- probably going to transform these parties because um, the stupid crap that they support is just, it's not attainable. And so what happens? And and I think what we'll, we'll see from both parties is a shift towards libertarianism. Mm. And there's libertarian issues on the left and there's libertarian issues on the right. You know, the real purist libertarians um, see where those issues, which typically be aligned with both parties, specific examples drug legalization that'd be typically with the left right but hardcore libertarians are all for it but then you have more other conservative type libertarian values of well we want small limited government so i think the the silver lining here is that because of the craziness that we went through with lockdowns the (laughs) operation warp speed the creation of SARS-CoV-2. You can see how the government can get things so wrong from so many different political angles, uh, and, and how that also ties into to the national security state and defense state. I think both sides of the fence in the few years, as older people die off and people become wise to what happened, will want similar reductions in military um, defense spending, national security, and also uh, policies that favor civil liberties think you're gonna run i don't know i i I think you should why not i've heard that the problem is i i don't i I need money to run yeah and i'm not making too many friends on the republican side because i keep calling them out for the stupid things that they're doing so i was invited to speak um or testify at the house uh permanent select committee on on covid and this is after i received uh, did you see the letter i received from russia no okay so you're unaware of this so two weeks Two weeks ago, I received a letter from the Russian government asking for my assistance to uh, help investigate the the Ukrainian biolabs and the origin of COVID. Oh, shit. Yeah, real serious. And then they sort of threatened that I could be held accountable under Russian law if I didn't agree to do it. 
but I was very diplomatic about it. I, I had to respectfully decline. I'm a former top secret clearance holder that used to, and actually helped write some of these proposals at these laboratories and things. I cannot do, do this without the U.S. government proposal because there's the January 6th treason and then there's real treason. And that's <laughs> and then there's that's the real treason kind. So I'm not going to engage in that. And I had to notify the FBI and other yeah. government agencies, which I did because I play by the rules. Yeah. And so the the what why that's important is that that tweet went viral so i think it had two three million views real quick real quick like in a matter of days i said why hasn't the my own government asked me to help with the investigation then all of a sudden i was contacted by staffers from this committee who had already been speaking to the past year and they invited me to testify well then the next thing is i hit the chair the congressman brad webstrip with an attack saying that, you know, I called him out as being an army reserve officer. And I don't believe that this, this, he is the right person to lead the investigation on this, uh, the origin of, of SARS-CoV-2. And I'm sure that made him look bad. I also called him out on the fact that I not- notified him that a national security data set was stolen from my house and he took no, no action when he was working on the House Intelligence Committee. So... The Republicans want to pretend like they're, you know, pro, pro-America, big patriots. Uh, most of them are full of it. And you can say that for a lot of the Democrats, too. And there's a lot of political rot in Washington, D.C. The, the issue is if I run, I live in Michigan. You can look at different things I can run for. I can run for Congress. I can primary my Republican uh, congressman. And, um, you know, from what I understand, he spends all his time in Washington, D.C., and he's never, never in the district, and nobody really likes him. So I could primary him and probably win. Do it. Yeah, that's an idea. But then I'm in Congress. I don't know how much impact, how well I do do in Congress. Then uh, the next person running for election is Debbie Stabenow. And I don't know if she announced retirement or not. I can't remember. She's getting older, but she's a very powerful Democrat. She sits on on the most powerful Senate committees. Uh, Senate might be difficult unless I can get a financial backer. Then the next other seat it'd be interesting would be the governor of the state of Michigan. And Michigan has a lot of corruption issues. I think they can be addressed. And um, it has a hollowing out of the middle, middle class. And it's a giant state. I don't think people realize how big it is. But from my house to Detroit, it's like a 10-hour a drive. Jesus. Yeah. So it, it people don't really realize how large the state is. My portion of the state is the size of Iowa. And that's the upper peninsula. So it's a state in its own. So anyways, um, I don't know if I'm well suited to also be, or if I'd be the best candidate to be governor of the state. I don't know if I understand all the issues well enough to be highly effective. I think I'd, I'd be okay. And this, I'm just giving an honest assess- assessment here. I think I'd be more effective um, as a federal politician because I understand all the federal systems and I've worked with the federal government. I just haven't worked with the Michigan state government all that often and all that much. And unless you have knowledge of the system, how do you expect to, to improve it? Objectively speaking, if I, some of the other States where I was really politically active, uh, Minnesota, for example, I I'd be perfectly comfortable stepping into state government there. And I have a number of contacts and people who are actually elected officials there, but you know, I don't live there. So that, you know, that's just not in the cards. You should run to be a federal politician. Like, why the fuck not? Who, who, not even trying to be, you know, football coach in the locker room, but, like, why not? Like, you can get something done. Like, you clearly already are. I mean, I interview people from my bedroom, and, like, six months later, I see him on fo- – somebody tweeted at me yesterday, like, they're like, you should get you should get this guy, Dr. Uh, Dr. Wang. Like, he was just on Fox. Like, Fox is really showing some balls. And I sent them a, a link back. Um, I interviewed them ten months ago. You know, people are <laughs> people are messaging me after like Dr. Malone, and Dr. McCullough went on Rogan, and they're like, "You got to have these guys on." And I'm like, "I, I have not only have they been on several times, I've been banned for three months already because I had them on before." But my point is this: is if I can push the needle in my bedroom, just screaming at a camera like a psychopath, anyone can do anything. And you've already done so much. Why? Why not? Why not go? Why not go try to? I mean, fuck them. At the end of the day, it's just it also sounds like a terrible job. I mean, no, sure it does. But here's the other thing. I mean, it's um, yeah. And I, I talked with the actually my psychologist about this, and I'm 
good friends with them. Yeah, actually, I've known them for years. I had really bad PTSD when I mm-hmm. got out of the military back in 2006. And so I got became pretty good friends with this guy. And he lives by me now. And I said, uh, you know, what, what do you think if I about me running for office? I was just as a sounding board, you'd be very objective. He's like, that was his first question. He asked me, well, do you want to do it? I go, no. He goes, what, do you feel obligated to do it in some way? I'm like, well, a little bit. And he's like, yeah, I think, you know, you understand this stuff really well. You understand the government. But it's just, uh, my biggest fear, I guess, of doing it is that, say you get elected and you get in and you can't form a coalition around anything, you know, because it's too fragmented. And there's a number of, you know, Tulsi Gabbard was one of those types. Uh, Justin Amash was another one of those. There have been a number of politicians over the years that couldn't get coalitions around good ideas. And then the status quo becomes the the policy. And I can't think of any bigger, you know, waste of your life or time. I, I, I really like to see campaign finance reform. I think it solves all the problems. I mean, I, I really truly believe that if you can get campaign finance reform passed, it, it at least gets, gets rid of much of the influence on the system, but guess who doesn't want that? I mean, all the people who are paying the bills want a corrupt system. So how do you how do you get that done unless you run for president and you make it a top policy objective and you say, I'm not going to sign any, you know, like you shut you threaten to shut down the government and play real real hardball, real nasty, and say, I'm, you know, unless unless the House or Senate sends me a bill that that's campaign finance reform, I'm shutting the government down. I mean, that's a pretty baldy move to do as a president, but I think that's it's going to have to take someone with that kind of, you know, I guess, willpower or strength because otherwise otherwise, this, this corrupt, broken system is going to keep playing the same way. And we, we've seen, you know, if you watch the Supreme Court's behavior over the, over the past 20 or 30 years, they've it doesn't matter if it were more liberal courts or more conservative conservative courts, they've ruled in the side of allowing campaign finance money to flow. And all the landmark lawsuits have enabled that. So I don't see it changing unless there's a law passed. It's just, it's not going to happen. And unless that happens, then we're going to be in that same position. Just, and and I'm not trying to be, you know, I'm not trying to be a pessimist about, sure. about the seat. I'm just, I think I'm being realistic with how I assess the situation. Yeah, no, sure. Absolutely. But I mean, even even a failure is in ex- is in itself a success, right? I mean, them like seeing how much you know they completely stonewalled Trump and everyone just went rabid again, like demon under holy water. You might call that a failure, but I think that opened a lot of people's eyes to the Uniparty when like the Bushes and the Clintons were condemning him. People are like, oh, the demons are condemning him something's up you can kind of it's like tripping an alarm system if you're a thief is still still a success because you 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 did like a red cell team like you figured out something even just went in there and just went you know you just tweeted uh, you know just went full trump and just like you know like these people are assholes these are douchebags taking all your money like yeah you'll probably be out in a term but i mean you could pull down you could flip some tables and shatter some glasses on your way out like why not he gives a shit. It'd be kind of funny. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> Trump's biggest issue was that he didn't know how to be a diplomat or political no, domestically, and that was that was his death sentence. I mean, he didn't know he knew how to get the media's attention. He knew how to steal the news cycle. He knew <laughs> how to manipulate people to make them fly off the handle, and he, and he knew how to do it at scale. Yeah, and all that was counter serving his ultimate goal uh policy goals and agenda and a man who's not wise enough to see that is dangerous in a way and every time you know once he was elected there was a couple of speeches where i'm like god he looked really presidential here this was great we need more of that and then you know at the end there was some you know quip some quip towards you know throwing you know rosie o'donnell under the bus or whatever (laughs) what are you talking about like this this excuse me this doesn't matter we should you you don't need to you don't need to punch down at these people anymore you're not running from and he he never really effectively made that transition and 
I can understand why people love him. I mean, I, I'm I'm a big fan of a lot of his policies. Sure. I could see past that, but on the other hand, you, you have to realize that for a, a federal a federal election for the president, there is a large constituency of people and a plurality that you have to appease. And not knowing that is sort of frightening, in my 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 opinion, because you can't win with it. You can't win and 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 maintain power, it and achieve your policy objectives and goals with a simple majority. You can't. It takes a plurality, and you have to to understand you know what the levers are in those different community community communities and places around the country to get it done. Otherwise, you're just sitting there signing executive orders, and that's that's one of the most damning things that. The U.S. government and the, well, I should say, the executive branch has done is this increasing number of executive orders signing by each subsequent administration. I mean, it's it's terrible. It, it, ruling by executive order is not not a way to govern a country. It's a way to create chaos and instability. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I like Trump. I'm very open about that, but I mean. Yeah, and like you said, like I can look past people are like Michael Jordan's an asshole. I'm like, if I own the Bulls, I don't care. Is he committing any crimes? Is he raping anybody? No, he's just an asshole. Keep bringing me the championships. I don't care. I don't care at all, right? I, when you're looking at a country, you're looking at a global military force and the economy. I'm like, yeah, I don't really, I don't really care if he's an asshole. Like, I just whatever. He just had three X Ys, and it's like Tim Dillon said, he's the most American man to have ever lived. He's got a fake tan. Golden hair, and he lives in a golden penthouse in New York City, and eats uh, Big Macs on Air Force One. This is us. Like, <laughs> you don't have to like it, man. <laughs> that is us. That is our. That is our imprint. That is our fingerprint. Um, and yeah, and I understood his. You know, it is an impressive ability to to steal news cycles and his ability to manipulate it and make people look insane. You know. CNN wouldn't cover a terrorist attack, so he would say that there were 80 terrorist attacks last year, knowing full well there was 60, and CNN would come out and say there wasn't 80, there was 60, and now all of a sudden they're talking about terrorist attacks. And <laughs> you know, like, it was it, yeah. is, it was objectively, tactically, like, you got to respect it. And then some of his quips did serve that, but there were other times where I'd be with, like, my uncle or something, and he'd be watching him and be like, good, and he'd be like, no, just get off stage, just get off stage, and then he'd be like, you know, this senator's wife, she's a real ugly pig. And he'd be like, no, just like, yeah, exactly. Why? Why? You have Why? it. You don't need to do you that. You have it. Like you're, you're up by 40. Don't, don't do it. Don't do a late hit. Don't go hang yeah. on the rim. Don't get the technical foul. You idiot. And it's like, that is like some of its tactic. Sure. Some of it is you're like, this is actual, this is hubris. This is ego. Is it just lack of intelligence? And you're like, that is bad. You got to know when to shut the hell up. Um, but that being said, man, he made it that far. That's changing it forever. Like you, no one can ever say, "Well, I can't be a politician because of my past." No one can ever say that anymore. Oh, there, if you actually look back through American history, and if you ever go to the the Portrait Gallery in Washington D.C., I highly recommend it because they have a picture of each one of their, their official president presidential portrait up. And you know you forget about some some of these presidents who they were because there's you know there's been a bunch and unless you're some kind of super history nerd you, you don't memorize every president and then you know you pull out your phone and you start to look up their history and there have been you know a lot a lot of interesting sort of questionable characters that we that we've had uh, leading the country and especially when, you know, before media spread so fast it was probably much easier to have a false portrayal and you know the the mudslinging that they had and smearing it debates to almost flat out bribery of voters, you know, like, Hey, come over here and get a ham off the truck and vote for Johnson, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing used to happen. It was, it was insane. Uh, Lyndon Johnson used to take his dick out on air force one. Oh, really? Yeah, no, used to, used, yeah, yeah, there's a great book. All right, I, somebody needs to fact check this now and put this on YouTube. Oh, no, 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 there is, there's a great book and I, I, I need to find it. I think it's at my parents. It's called Air Force uh, One and it's just all these little vignettes about uh, FDR had the first plane and it was like a total piece of shit. The next one was Truman's and it was called the Sacred Cat. Truman was nuts. Truman would fly over whatever, what, I don't know what state he was from. He was a haberdasher or a farmer or something. He would wasn't he in Kansas or yeah I think something like that yeah yeah Nebraska I thought maybe he would have the plane fly over where his like enemy senators were and that's and then you'd have him dump the septic tank this is Harry Truman 
Like the guy that entered World War II <laughs> did that. Like in yeah. LBJ would uh yeah, no, he he would he would take his dick out and he would call it jumbo, apparently. He was well hung. He would he would uh he would like take steaks and throw it at stewardesses and stuff if it was just like a hair not how he wanted it cooked. Like he was nuts. Kennedy would Kennedy would get like shit faced and go to sleep and his dog would just run up and down the aisles, but no one wanted to tell the dog to shut up because it was the president's dog. Like it was it was wild. Uh uh Nixon loved I think it was Nixon always loved to be told like what time it what what time it was in DC, what time it was where the plane currently was and what the time was uh where they were landing and so and he would just call people in all the time just to kind of do that. So that eventually they ended up putting like the three clocks in the in like the room. Uh I think it was like Reagan had trouble sleeping and so they put the president's room on the <laughs> on the nose of the plane. I, I never thought about that, but it's to be ahead of the engine, so it's the quietest room. Um yeah. there's all sorts of stuff. These wild stories. but the point is is th- most of them were nuts. Like most of them like as you learn about L- you mean LBJ, this is very well known. He used to give interviews while on the toilet. And it was just like his power move. Like you had to come sit in the room and be like, "What you know? What do you think about?" No, that, that's very that's a very old school military tactic. Oh yeah, no. Be like, what what do you think? You. Yeah, what do you think about the like what bombing in Hanoi? And he'd just be sitting there, pants around his ankles, just shit and looking at death. And he's an intimidating guy. He's like six four, and he's just shitting and, and like, yeah, dude, like nuts. And uh, yeah, so I don't think it's like that. All coming that, back that, to that's a fact. That's a, I look at that differently. That's effective time management. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's 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 it absolutely is. But also, man, it's like once you look at that, you go, "Oh, I, I could do this." I mean, once you look at like Jeff Bezos uh, serving hot dogs out of like a vendor stand, on like the summer heat in like the eighties, and you're like, "That guy's now worth like half a trillion dollars," and you're like, "Oh, like really anything?" You look at Tom Brady's like draft picture, and you're like, "Oh, anything's possible." That is the the whitest, dumpiest guy. You're like I could, I could do that, right? I mean, Eminem's the best rapper. I mean, a guy named Marshall, a white guy named Marshall, is the best rapper. Like, yeah, this is all. This is all. This is my motivational speech to you. Like, this, you need to run. Anyone can do this shit. Why not? Who gives a fuck? I mean, how much? How much would it take? Not that I don't have any money, but how much? Would oh it no, take? I haven't. I haven't done the market market research. A number of people have told me to run, but I think it's in the millions. I mean, you need to figure out how to get millions to do it. I mean, I've interviewed, I've interviewed like Joe Kent, Joe, Joe Kent's re, re-running for Congress. I've interviewed Anthony Sabatini. I mean, I interviewed a, I can't remember his name, Mike. I don't remember what his last name is. He won in Georgia. I mean, these are guys that probably know how to do it. I, I don't know if they would be helpful. I mean, I could ask him like, what is the very process? I mean, Joe Kent's got, you know, he's a former Green Beret, tattoos up his, you know, he had long hair and a huge beard and he had to clean it all up. Now he looks like a politician. Like, I mean, it can be done. I only I have sixteen thousand subscribers. So it's not a whole lot, but I mean, you got a platform. I mean, why not, man? Look, you should look it up. See how much it costs, and uh, yeah, why not? I'll report back. I'll, I'll do some market I'm, market I'm, research. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bully you into this now. I'm gonna. I know your military can kick my ass, but because we're far away, I can I can bully you because we're over a computer and uh, I'll hide. But <laughs> and my door locks. And, Welcome um, to 2023, where every every man is twice as big because he sits behind a computer. Yeah, yeah. I've no. I've tactically made the right move. I've interviewed and become friends with a lot of Delta Force guys. So now I can be a keyboard warrior, and they're like, no, you know, like, nobody fucks with Tom, and I just hide behind. I'm like a little kid. I'm like, you can't fight him. He's Delta. Force. So yeah. the next time you get one of your Delta Force buddies in the. Uh, in the studio with you just remember this you hit first okay this is my advice to you you're gonna get one shot you go for the neck okay that's and that's it yeah no you get one shot and you gotta catch them off guard they'll kill me yeah they'll, they'll, (laughs) they'll kill me they they taught me they i got to go shooting with them and they were like teaching me how to shoot and shit that was so much fun she's using like 50 cal shooting through trees and shit and you can just see them. Oh, like, yeah. It's like. That's why like, I joke to people. It's like, oh, you're like, oh, I'm going to go. People are like, oh, I got a new AR, AR, AR 15 or whatever kind of variant of it. I'm like, I'm going to go shoot this week. I'm like, uh, I'm like, do you want to come with me? No. Yeah. Why? I'm like, I like explosives and machine guns. Yeah. And they, they look at me and I'm like, I'm like, really? I like explosives. Yeah. And are you serious? I'm like, yeah, I'm dead serious. I'm like, I'm gonna, I used to shoot those things all the time. And even like, 
start to get get excited with like a 50 caliber machine gun you know and that's that's quite a bit of fun my deuce but, is fun yeah yeah you get, that's yeah, also yeah. expensive when you're not in the military anymore i mean i used to fire through pallets of that crap and yeah. now you, know, you pay that bill that's a 50 $50, range day yeah yeah no well uh, uh we got to go out to one of my buddies house who just has a gun collection from god and yeah you know you, you can never really go back to like excuse me you can never really go back to like shooting a nine millimeter at some indoor range when you've got to like shoot a microwave full of tannerite with a <laughs> with like a 50 cal it's no oh, yeah you can't mortars I, mines grenades yeah uh, you know, i mean satchel charges these things when you when you use these things you're just like okay this is next next level you fire a rocket or a missile or something shoulder fired you know it's like okay yeah yeah i mean you can see that there's my old gaming monitor, that little, you know, I don't know, like 20 inch screen. And then there's the fuck. I don't know how to use it. It's reversed. And then there's yeah, the gaming computer. You can't see it. Right when I moved into this new apartment, it was on Black Friday sale. So I got an, I got an 86 inch flat screen to play video games on. I can't ever go back. I've ruined myself. I can never go back. Even like a nice, a nice, you know, flat screen. What I'm like, dude. Unless, unless it is light. When I play Grand Theft Auto in first person, and it's my hand is as big as the hand. You can never. It's the same shit. Once you, and not only that, it's like machine guns. And you have these like former like ground branch paramilitary guys telling you stories about everything. You know, a belt fed M60, and they're they're not just saying, all right, aim here and walk it up. They're telling you, they're like, all right. When they're shooting at you and you want to blow their kneecaps out and you're like, oh, fuck, like, this is nuts. Like, yeah. Yeah, you can't really go back. I don't know how we got on Delta Force, guys. No, yeah. yeah, well, we can have that. I'll have the in-person conversation with you about that kind of stuff sometime. Oh, God. Okay. We'll get your other military guys around and then you can see old my old infantry self. I'll, yeah. I'll let it out. Hell yeah. No, that's, and that's how a lot of this would always come along. They'd be talking, they'd be like, Tom, we're going to hang out one day and you'll hear some stories. And I was like, why can't you tell me online? And then we hung out and I'm like, oh, that's, that's why. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> like, there were legally binding issues, like both national and international. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot you guys worked for the agency. Like, oh, that makes, oh, no, I get that. <laughs> I get that. Um, but on that, uh, on that perhaps legally actionable last segment, uh, which is all fiction. Uh, let's wrap this one up. I know I've kept you for oh shit, it's one o'clock. Kept twice as long as I told you I would. Um, but really, that's fine. I'm having fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry about your hiccups. Um, we'll go away. Yeah, go. Uh, yeah, man. If you're serious about it, go, go, go. Look up how much it would cost, and I'll, I'll send some emails. I can't guarantee absolutely anything, but I mean, I'm, I'm fine with you know wasting ten minutes of my day. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Who cares? But if it sure. does work, it could be it could be really cool. Why not? Well, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate man. that. Yeah. Go, who the fuck cares? Go for it. Why the fuck not? Like what? Go for it. <laughs> who cares, dude? Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, I'll share some some other thoughts I have. We, yeah. we're, we're already way over time, but I mean, like, yeah, there's yeah, it's it's a time, it's a it's a serious it's a I take it as a very serious commitment. I don't think other people take it that way. Yeah. No, I think I think you could do it though, man. I think. I think the idea it is very beneficial to the existing parasitic class that are almost reflexive response. I would say perhaps even Pavlovian by design is that we look at it and go, oh, it's too corrupt. I won't be able to do anything. I'm just going to be a cog in the machine. I think they want you to think that. It's the same thing as censorship. They want you to feel alone. They want you to feel like you're the only one questioning it. You're the only one scared of an experimental jab. They want you to feel alone. It's just, it's complete psychological warfare. I think they want you to think that the machine is untouchable. You're going to go there and just be another Congress. I think they want you to think that because the reality is, is like you really can go in there and fuck shit up. And that's kind of what makes this place awesome is like a bunch of colonial, you know, Irish, English, you know, fucking mountain people drinking whiskey with no teeth and muskets took on the British. Like, we, we can't, we have come, we, there's a frat boy kind of barbaric, bare knuckle, like, history. Like, that is what we are from. Yeah. Like, who cares? Go for it. Bunch of hillbillies. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Essentially. It's, it's, but truly, like truly. Like, just, just different, you know, like down south, maybe swamp people. But, yeah, no, you know, yeah. hillbillies, uh, same kind of thing. All my family's in like northern New Hampshire. I lived in southern Georgia. No, across the board, like that is America. Is like my like a guy I knew in college named Grant who had a pet deer with a uh, dog collar named Jesus and an, alli- <laughs> and an alligator with a dog collar named Elvis. And they both responded to him, Jesus, Elvis, get in here. And like... He had a he had a old Cadillac with no windshield, and that was what he used to drove drive around the farm. Like, that's America. <laughs> <laughs> that's America. That's, Grant, that's true. Yeah, like what you know, he had a deer skinning factory. He's like, you know how you you know how you shoot puppies? And I was like, how? He's like, you put peanut butter on the gun. And I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? And he's like, he's like, some people don't get their dogs neutered, and they got to put it. I'm like, that's yeah. America, though. Like that is just like Trump, like love it or hate it that's the mirror reflection so yeah man go go for it it doesn't work whatever it doesn't work it'll make a great episode um all right i'm gonna, I'm gonna remember your peanut butter uh tip <laughs> yeah if you ever got think that's how you shoot him he's like you charge a dollar a bullet he's like you make a good little profit and i was just like there's wow. nothing behind your eyes grant that you're just blackness and but no there was right. he was just a realist but uh yeah. Let's All right, not, Tommy, on that note, I'm out of here. On that note, shooting puppies. <laughs> that you know, yeah. Senator Huff, could you could you maybe uh, could you maybe bring this up? Senator Huff, he once said that he wants to shoot puppies. Like vote Smith in 2028. Eh, whatever. <laughs> whatever. All right, dude. Let's wrap this one up. Uh, I'll I'll email you. Do look into it. Seriously, look into it. Email me. I'll send emails, and we'll see if something cool can happen. And if not, whatever. Thank you so much. Sounds good. Guys, go follow him. Go grab the book, The Truth About Wuhan. Go follow him on uh, b- 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 Twitter. And uh, yeah, until next time, brother. Thank you so much. Take Recording care. Stopped. God bless. Stay safe, everybody. Peace.